If you're visiting with us this morning, I'll just give you the heads up that our normal, my normal exposition that we're going through presently is First Timothy, but on Communion Sundays, we take a break from the normal exposition and do something more communion-focused. And two, uh, today also having in mind that we we're going to be honoring or recognizing our graduating seniors, I chose just a couple, of, just two verses this morning that are, are poignant in my mind and heart, especially regarding what it means to live in the world that we live in. Uh, so it's not my normal practice to just uh, parachute into a paragraph without providing context, but today that's exactly what I'm going to do. So if you would, please take out your Bibles and turn them to Joshua chapter 24. I'm just going to look at a couple of ver- well-known verses. I know that they will be familiar to, to most of you. Now, if you think about the book of Joshua, uh, obviously it follows the, uh, follows the law and Joshua is the history of Israel kind of going out into the land, getting their land allot- allotments, and kind of being established in Canaan. Well, the problem that Joshua presents us with is that the children of Israel are not successful in eradicating the enemies out of the land. And so, in some senses, they make peace with them, and they make peace with paganism to some degree or another. So, they're living in the holy land of God, the land that God had promised them, the land that God had told them to go in and conquer, and yet they don't fully conquer it. And so when we get to Joshua 24, we're seeing the ripple effect of what happens when the children of Israel disobey and don't follow the strict prescriptions of the Lord. In other words, they make concessions, and because of those concessions, there are consequences. In fact, you'll see the the main consequences when you get to the book of Judges, though we're not going there this morning. But this morning, I would just like for simply to go over verses 14 and 15. And I, as I think about us coming to the table here in just a few moments, as I think about sending out every graduating class out into the world from here on out, there is, this, this, this passage speaks of choice. Choose who you will serve. And that is a binding commandment for you and for me every single day of our lives. Who, what are we going to serve? We will ask that of ourselves again and again and again and again. So without further delay, let us just turn now to these two verses, Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 and 15. Beloved of God, this is God's infallible and errant word. Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord... Choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Please pray with me. Father, thank you for this word and thank you for Joshua's faithfulness to you and his example of godliness. Father, but thank you for the truth that we live in a world where we constantly have the capacity to choose righteousness if we're in Christ then I pray that we would do that. And I pray this morning as we spend a few moments looking at this passage that we would be renewed in our zeal to choose you. It's through Christ we pray. Amen. Uh, When we we think about the the word choice, right? So to make a choice for something is to make a choice often against something. And we know that every choice, every choice we make has consequences, for good or for ill right? Every choice we make has consequences. And we understand that a choice can change a life forever, right? One choice can put us on the pathway of destruction and kill everything around us. Or one choice 
can keep us on the pathway of life and bring life to what's around us. But choices matter, and choices have consequences. When we look at Paul's letters, his, his word, his verbiage is put on Christ and put off sin. So he's saying choose to clothe yourself in Christ and choose to be rid of sin. But that's not just Paul's theme, that's a biblical theme. And so when Joshua here is talking to the people of God, he's talking to the Israelites, he's telling them to reaffirm their faith. And this wasn't new. Moses had done the very same thing. Moses had encouraged the children of Israel to choose whom they would serve. Would it be the God of their fathers? Would it be the God of Scripture? Or would it be the culture around them? And that question is still valid. So basically, what is Joshua doing? This is what you call, in technical terms, covenant renewal. That Joshua is having Israel renew their covenant. Guess what? Every time we partake of this table right here in front of me, do you know what we're doing? We're renewing covenant with God. We're reminding ourselves and one another, yes, I am in covenant with the Lord. And Joshua here is looking at the people, knowing his time is short, and saying, I am asking you here and now, actually, I'm not asking, I'm commanding you, here and now, to reaffirm your covenant fidelity, because it's going to matter as you go out into the land. And we look at Judges, and we see that it, in fact, did matter that they chose to reject it because they went into a downward spiral. In those days, there was no king in Israel, was the refrain. And each did what was right in his own eyes because they rejected godly counsel right here. So what, what, what Josh was doing is he's saying, so, so let's kind of put this in its proper context. He's speaking to people who are already in covenant with God, He's not asking them to choose to make a choice to be covenant people. He's saying, you are covenant people. Now I'm telling you to choose to live that way, to choose to live as if that covenant is true. Because when we look at our lives, our lives really are, we can sum it up as a series of choices, good choices, bad choices. And this is the choice right here that is to rule all choices. This is the choice that rules all choices because this choice will govern how we do everything else. It'll govern how we relate to people. It'll govern the spouse that we choose. It'll govern how we raise our children. It'll govern our perspective on being involved in a local body. It'll govern our worship. It'll govern our finances. It'll govern how we provide. It'll govern everything because this is not just a simple choice. This is a whole worldview framework that we are, we are settling into. We are settling into this whole framework that God is the grand creator, and yes, there is fall, but there is also redemption, and that he is moving his people towards restoration with all the world. Well, how do we, how do we work that out? We work it out by staying committed to our covenant with the Lord, period. That's why we stand for truth, right? That's why we don't compromise that, because the truth demands that we plant our flag here and we stand firm. And so when we're looking at this this morning, all, all, my, my point is this, seniors, everybody listening to me is this, we must make an exclusive commitment to the Lord. I'm telling you, as you go out into the world, young people, you're going to get hit from all sides, and you have got to be ready to stand firm in truth. And that's going to happen only insofar as you remain committed to what you know is right. 
When we begin to compromise, our foundation begins to crumble and we begin to get shaky and we begin to waver. It's not unloving to be uncompromising. You can be compassionate without compromising. And I urge us all to be compassionate without compromising. But the minute we compromise and we concede, ground becomes shaky. So if we're going to live in covenant with the Lord, with God, we serve Him exclusively. Joshua gives us off literally, and now therefore, fear the Lord. Why does he start with this and now? Well, I'm not going to go back and rehearse the previous chapter or, or this chapter or the previous chapters. He's, he's saying in response to, he's just listed out the goodness of God. He's talking about how faithful and good God is and what a gracious covenant Lord He is. And he is saying now, in response to this love, in response to this goodness, in response to His, his own faithfulness to you, you are called to live faithfully. And that's not works righteousness, that's basic Christianity. That's Christianity 101. Faithfulness is our charge. You know, not to earn merit, not to make people think we're better than we are. John said he's the chief of sinners. While I go, I think I got him beat. But it's so that we live as reflections of the God who has called us into covenant. That's what faithfulness on our part is, living reflections of the God who's called us into covenant. And so he says, and now therefore, and he gives a list of three imperatives. Brad, what is an imperative? It is an express command. He gives three right here that are worth our time to to mention briefly. He first says, now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. That's his first command here. In response to the goodness of God, his first command or his last, let's look at these as his last commands. His command is to fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. So express command, it's binding, it's exactly how, it's not a suggestion, it's not saying this will be good if you do it, this is how we are to live. What does he mean by this? Well, fear is an act of worship, but it's due reverence, right? It's, it's acknowledging who God is in his person. It's recognizing that there is a God and we are not him, that there is a God and he is other than us. There is a God and he is perfect and holy and righteous. And we recognize that and we give due devotion and reverence to him. But fear of the Lord has an implication. When the scriptures say that we are to fear the Lord, there's the implication, the larger implication is to, i.e., live for the Lord. So now it's not just to be in terror, to flee or hide. It's to give my life to the Lord. And now it's his life. And my life is lived under his banner. My life is lived for his glory. My life is lived so that he is exalted. That's what Joshua's calling us to do. And as an addendum to this, he's going to come back and say, serve the Lord again. But he says, serve him. And that's, that's lives that are given to Christ as top priority, that we are to live in service. In other words, we don't sit idly by on the sidelines and do nothing in Christ's church. We serve We serve in big ways. We serve in small ways. We serve in ways in which we're gifted. We serve outside of our comfort zones. But the calling of a Christian, a calling of a Christian is very simple. Fear the Lord and serve Him, and serve Him in the ways in which God has blessed us. He calls us to do this in faithfulness. Literally, we could say, and in faithfulness, in sincerity and in faithfulness, literally, blamelessness and faithfulness, that we're sound, that we are solid, that we are seeking 
to serve the Lord authentically and trustingly, if that's a word, with humility and in confidence that the Lord is good and He does good. Because we understand that we are to be, I hate the way that the word piety has been hijacked. When we use it now, we always use it as a derogatory term, and it really shouldn't be. Piety is a beautiful thing when it's, when it's humbly before the Lord and we're devoted to Christ. That's what Joshua's calling us here to do, that we are people who serve in devotion and truth. So the first, this first command here, it dictates the other two. So what is Paul or Joshua saying, rather? He says, therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in faithfulness. And then what's the next expressed command? Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt. So put away the gods. So if we're, we're going to destroy idolatry in our minds and hearts, the key ingredient, the key weapon is the fear of the Lord. If I do not fear the Lord, I am going to have idols. And I have idols and places in my life, as do you, because those are places where we are not fearing the Lord as we ought. So the prescription to knocking down idols in our lives begins in the fear of the Lord. So he gives us an express command to put away false gods, to turn from idolatry and godlessness. In a real sense, Jesus would echo these words, that the pure of heart. Joshua is calling the people of God to a purity of heart. And biblically speaking, when we see pure of heart in there, we understand that there's a, a, the notion of singular in devotion. So essentially, Joshua is saying, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve Yahweh and Baal. You can't serve Yahweh and Molech. You can't serve Yahweh and Asherah. And the list goes on and on and on. We have the capacity to serve one Lord. Either we will love the one and despise the other, or despise the one and love the other. That's what Jesus said. He said you can't serve both God and money in that context. And so the reality is, is we can't serve two masters. So Joshua's saying the only true Lord is Yahweh, so we have to put those other ones away. And beloved, we lived in a world where idols are thrown at us all the time. We idolize youth. We idolize beauty. We idolize wealth. We idolize all sorts of things thinking those things give purpose, and we know that they don't. We're going to hear it all the time, though. The only way we stay firm and protected in those moments is to fear the Lord. Now, it's interesting here what he does. He says, put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt. So two separate sets of gods. And so he's asking them, think about the gods of your fathers, let's say the gods of convenience and pleasure. When we think about Egypt, the gods of Egypt, Egypt represents slavery. Egypt represents death. Those gods were gods of convenience. They gave the rain. They gave the wheat. They gave the this. And no, they don't. <laughs> They're false gods. He's saying turn away from those gods of convenience of pleasure because all idolatry, every bit of it, every bit of it leads to slavery and death. That is why Joshua uses the word Egypt here, literally because they had been delivered out of Egypt, but thematically, philosophically, they understood what is Egypt, slavery, and death. Our babies were killed. We were enslaved. We were treated like animals. We were not treated like real human beings, and so forth and so on. And he's saying, if you choose to go to those gods, spiritually speaking, that is what you are going to, less than, reduced to animals, and consumed by false gods. 
Beloved, I, I can't think of a single idol that doesn't promise pleasure in some way and ask you, if you're honest with yourself, as I, we have to be, every time we pursue those idols, the promise of pleasure, is it ever really given? And it is not. It might be fun for a season, but death, death, death is behind what seems so fun. And I think addiction is an apt, an apt picture of that, having experienced it myself, that you start out and it's fun, and it is fun. It's fun at first. And then one day you wake up and you realize it's not fun anymore, but now I'm, st I'm stuck, and I can't get out of this, and this is going to kill me. And now I don't do it because it's fun. I do it because of some incessant need in my own mind and soul that says this is the only way out. But praise God for the gospel, for the delivering power of the gospel of Jesus Christ that says, no, that's not the end, but we've got to snatch those idols down. And so snatching idols down is not trying to rob us of pleasure. It's trying to help us fulfill the, our ultimate sense of humanity and dignity created in the image of God. So a natural consequence, if we're going to fear the Lord, we're going to put away false gods, is we're going to serve the Lord. That's what he says. This is the final uh, express command here. He says, just serve the Lord. And it no, should not be lost on us. He says this twice. He says, the logical fruit of fear is service. If we're, going to serve, if we're going to fear the Lord, we're going to serve the Lord. And, and as we serve the Lord, we grow in our fear of the Lord. And this service is a necessity, right? It's essential. It's not an add-on. And so, this, this type of our allegiance of service, our allegiance to Christ's service, and when we, look at, when we look at Jesus, He calls us into a service, and our works matter. Not that our works save us. I mean, John even quoted some scripture a while ago that countered that idea, that works don't save us. But our works do matter because we're called into service to serve Christ, and not just half-heartedly, but with our whole hearts to lay down our lives in a real way of speaking, to lay ourselves on the altar of Christ, to give back to Christ in some measure of the joy and life that He's given to us. And as I say, we do this, it's, a, it's an obligation of love. When we, when we just imbibe and understand that obedience is an expression of love, man, it makes service a beautiful thing. Now I am living lovingly before the Lord, not merely just obeying, not merely just serving for the sake of obeying or serving. I am telling the Lord and His people that I love Yahweh, that I love Christ. And I'll just say this very bluntly, there is no place for a saved person who doesn't serve God. There is no place. The Bible doesn't have a category for that. Just like you hear the people who will say, well, you know, me and Jesus is all I need. I don't need the church. And that. there's just no category for that either. If you're in Christ, you need the church. If you're in Christ, you need to serve. In fact, you're, uh, you're obliged, you're obligated to do both. And so I challenge us to be people who serve. And uh, you know what I love about chapel? and I'll just brag on you, is we have a church of people who serve, and it's very evident, and I'm so thankful for this body of believers who serve. Joshua builds on this idea, all right? So he's kind of given them these three express commands, fear the Lord, put away false gods, and serve the Lord, and then he kind of gives, all right, so this is where this leads you, and he says this, if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
So when we come to this, we understand one fundamental truth or one important truth, that every human being on the planet makes a choice of what or whom they will serve. People who look at religion, they say, you're in the shackles of slavery. You're enslaved to your religion. It's like, no, brother or sister, I'm actually the one who's been freed to choose to live in a way that God has called me to live. You, my friend, are enslaved to a world system that is going to eat you alive. You won't survive it. And so every person under heaven chooses to serve something. Now here, let's go ahead and dispel something. If it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, Joshua is not in any way, shape, or form saying that serving God is evil. He's saying, if you think it's evil to serve the Lord, then guess what? You're going to make a choice to serve something. So if it's not going to be the Lord, you're going to serve the gods of your fathers or the gods across the river. You're going to serve, you know, Bob Dylan sang it. You're going to serve somebody. It might be the devil. It might be the Lord, but you're going to serve somebody. If you don't, if you've never listened to his album, Slow, Slow Train Coming, he's got some fantastic songs on there. It's a Christian album, or at least he professed to be a Christian when he wrote that album. Um, but the, man, I'm digging myself a hole here. Um, <laughs> thank you. He's not saying that it's evil to serve God. He's saying that we will serve something that we're going to live for, we're going to give to, we are going to sacrifice for something. We will. Mark it down. Now, if you'll, if you'll note here, the choice he gives them is a hard choice. Choose this day whom you will serve if you're not going to serve the Lord or if it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorite in whose land you dwell, right? So the, the choice is between two false gods. So in a, like I just said, they're sacrificing for something. Now, when we think about the gods beyond the river, uh, historically, think of Egypt now, uh, again, the gods who represent slavery and death. And so as I said a moment ago, if you're going to serve the gods beyond the river, Joshua is saying, you are going to serve death. You are going to serve death. The Amorite gods in whose land you now dwell, they offered convenience for crops. They offered pleasure for human relationships. They offered all sorts of things that would feed into hedonism, the pursuit of pleasure only. And so either, he's saying, you're going to die by slavery or you're going to die by some false sense of pleasure. But death is coming if you choose either of these. So what's his point here? It's, it's an absurd choice to choose idolatry. It's absurd. Young folks, as you go out into the world, the world is going to make it look so nice and shiny and rich and right and good and fun and pleasurable. It's death. Those gods are death. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I've never met anybody in my life who made wise decisions and regretted it later. And I've, I've met many people who've made foolish ones and lived with a lifetime of regret. A wise decision never leads to regret. It may be hard. It may be painful. It may make it slightly more difficult to function, but you will sleep in peace. You will sleep in peace, and you will wake up knowing that I am committed to the truth no matter what they say, and that is worth more than all the money and all the pleasure in the world. Joshua says here, wraps this up. He says, but, this is a strong adversity. That means it really, it changes directions hard. It's a, it's a big contrast. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
He leads by example. He says if we're not choosing God, he's already said we're serving an idol. And our time and our commitments clearly indicate where our devotions lay. Our time and our commitments clearly indicate where our devotions lay. Beloved of God, I urge us, even this morning in a few minutes here when we come to the table, we are declaring openly and publicly that we will serve the Lord. And I pray that that will be something that really dominates the landscape of our minds and hearts. Because as we go through life, commitments, what we commit ourselves to, it speaks volumes to the world around us, to our children, to our peers, to our workmates, to everybody within our sphere of life. And so when we think about what Joshua's urging here, simple, it's covenant fidelity, covenant faithfulness. Hey, you have, an, a, cov- you have a, a covenant established by God, live within the confines of that covenant. And it's not trying to rob you, it's not trying to restrict you, it's trying to free you to live the best life that God has designed for you to live, not in the Joel Osteen way, but really the best life, which is living in the imitation of Christ. And so if we desire faithfulness to God's covenant, we make a constant choice for what is righteous, right? If we desire faithfulness to live out the precepts of God, we make a constant choice to imbibe truth and live truth. Let it never be said of us that we chose a lesser God that led to our death. May it never be said of us. Let it always be that we are steadfast, immovable in the Lord, that we are abounding in what is good and pleasing to the Lord, knowing that those labors are never in vain. And we'll not do that in our own strength. We'll do that by the power of the Holy Spirit who lives in us if we are believers in Christ. We'll do that because the Word of God is working its way in our minds and hearts. And so I say this to you this morning, to you seniors, to you congregation, to myself. May our choice to serve Christ be the choice that governs everything else in our life. That as we make that choice, it influences everything else we do. Please pray with me. Father, thank you for this Word and its power this morning. As we think through the Scriptures, Lord, I I thank you for this parting counsel from Joshua as it's so apropos for where we are now for our seniors. I pray for those five uh, young men and women that you would bless them, that they would not waver in their righteousness, that they would not waver in their commitment to fidelity, but all the days of their lives that they would choose to honor you and your spirit and word would be evident in them. Lord, I pray for us as we receive the supper, as we are about to declare our allegiance to you to one another, and to the public. I pray that you would help us to make a choice every day of our lives to hunger and thirst for righteousness and not the things of this world. It's through Christ we pray. Amen.